Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. October is National Physical Therapy Month. It's also National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. According to the American Cancer Society, 2012 will see almost 300,000 new cases of breast cancer in the United States alone, a sobering statistic. The good news is that survival rates continue to improve, and that's where physical therapy comes in. Nicole Stout is the Senior Rehabilitative Practice Leader for Kaiser Permanente's Mid-Atlantic Region and the author of more than a dozen articles on cancer and lymphedema. She's also a member of APTA's Board of Directors. In the following interview, Nicole describes the role of a physical therapist in the treatment of individuals with cancer, explaining the relationship of breast cancer and lymphedema and stressing the importance of early intervention by a physical therapist for long-term quality of life. If you or someone you love is being treated for breast cancer or is merely at risk, this is powerful information, particularly if a physical therapist hasn't been immediately involved in a breast cancer treatment plan. But a reminder that insight from our guest is for information purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Offering a glimpse of how cancer treatment is changing and where it's headed, here's our interview with Nicole Stout. Nicole, I think a lot of times when people think about physical therapists, they think about them in relation to things like exercise, maybe knee injuries related to running or things like that, low back pain, maybe rehab after a surgery. These, I think, are sort of the most common images in the mind of consumers when they think of how a physical therapist can help them. And I'm not sure that treatment of breast cancer is something that the average consumer may think about the physical therapist helping them in that recovery. So can you start off by talking about the physical therapist's role in the treatment of breast cancer? You make an excellent point, and you're right. It's not something that's at the forefront in the minds of patients going through breast cancer treatment. And that's unfortunate. It should be. There are inherent side effects and effects of cancer treatment that start with the surgery through chemotherapy and radiation therapy that can have a negative impact on a patient's ability to function, their ability to tolerate even just their regular daily activities as well as their work activities. And a physical therapist being involved with the plan of care for patients going through cancer treatment, being involved from the beginning, can contribute an important and significant amount in helping patients restore their function. Physical therapy can help to mitigate some of the side effects that patients experience, like fatigue, the weakness and range of motion deficits, loss of movement, and returning them to a healthy lifestyle. So therapists can help to mitigate some of the negative side effects, and we can also help to enhance recovery so that patients actually tolerate their treatment in a better way. So it is to our benefit to promote the physical therapist in their role in treating patients who are going through breast cancer treatment because it's so beneficial. And patients tell us when we treat them during their cancer treatment that it makes such a difference in their quality of life and in their ability to sort of get back to their normal function. So let's walk through the scenario that may happen most commonly. So someone has breast cancer and how most likely does their care begin, who's involved, and at what point does the physical therapist most commonly come into play, and is there a better way than what the standard is? 
That's the perfect question to ask because the standard of treatment for breast cancer typically does not involve the physical therapist. So I'll tell you what is standard right now, and then I'll tell you what I think is the ideal based on the evidence. The standard right now is that the patient is diagnosed. Typically, they're seen by their surgeon, possibly their medical oncologist, prior to beginning treatment. Then they have their surgery, they begin their treatment, and unless that person reports a functional problem or reports pain or swelling or fatigue to their physician, we typically miss the diagnosis of those things until they become problematic, meaning that the patient has actually started to step back from their activities because they can't do them. So we're working in a paradigm of treating conditions once they appear and once they're already functionally debilitating. That's when we typically see the trigger for referral to physical therapy. The ideal situation, because we know that the cancer treatments carry with them the risk for pain and fatigue and functional loss, because we know those things ahead of time, the ideal situation is for the physical therapist to see the patient at that point of diagnosis before they have surgery, before they start treatment. The reason for that is it allows the therapist to see the patient and do an assessment of their relatively normal health status. So what is their strength, their mobility like? How do they function in their daily life? What exercises do they do routinely? because our goal should be to return them to that status and to help to prevent many of the negative side effects that we see during cancer treatment. So seeing the patient at that early interval preoperatively can help us to promote better return to function during treatment. Now, it's not just about that preoperative visit, which is important, but an optimal model of care is to follow that patient prospectively during the time that they're being treated. So cancer treatments, breast cancer specifically, can take up to nine months for a patient to complete treatment. And during that time, they're going through chemotherapy at intervals of two to three weeks, radiation therapy at daily intervals. And each of those treatment modalities introduces potential for functional problems to appear. So it's ideal if the physical therapist sees a patient at intermittent time periods after their surgery, during their chemotherapy, during their radiation therapy, so that we can identify any problems that might come up during that time period. A little bit of loss of range of motion in their arm, a little bit of swelling, those are important things. They're not negligible little issues because if we don't catch them early, they can become big problems down the line. So right now, we are in a medical model where we wait for patients to develop problems, and then we send them to physical therapy. What I think would be a vision for the future, and it is really an emerging standard of care now, is for the physical therapist to be involved in a prospective surveillance model, seeing the patient at intervals throughout the course of their treatment, and just assessing to make sure that they're not developing problems, encouraging them in appropriate and safe exercise, healthy lifestyle behaviors, all of that can integrate very, very well during their cancer treatment and help the patient recover better in the long term. You hinted in your response about what some of those debilitations are. 
but whether it's in the standard paradigm right now where patients are only referred to physical therapists after they experience problems, in breast cancer cases specifically, what tend to be the most likely impairments to somebody's quality of life? Some of the most common impairments that we see related to the treatments that patients go through can change during the course of time as we introduce different treatment modalities. The first stop is usually surgery, and that can result in painful scar tissue and limited range of motion postoperatively. And that's an important point for the physical therapist to intervene, to see that patient in the postoperative period, make sure that they regain their full upper extremity strength and mobility after the surgery. So typically in that first time period, it's the loss of range of motion and the loss of strength that the therapist can help to remediate. Then the patient will sometimes move into chemotherapy, and during chemotherapy, there are a number of side effects that can impact function. Fatigue is something that can be remediated with an exercise program prescribed by a physical therapist. Some chemotherapeutic agents, some of the chemo drugs, lend themselves to nerve damage, and patients will develop neuropathies or tingling in their hands and in their feet. And although this may not be debilitating in the short term, again, we want to make sure that we give our patients strategies so that they can recover quickly from the neuropathies and not see themselves go into a functional decline with things like loss of balance and loss of fine motor skills. Then our patients will usually move into radiation therapy, and this introduces a significant impairment to the soft tissue in the chest wall. The skin gets tight and can get fibrotic. It can have an impact on the patient's ability to move their arm, so they are at risk for losing their range of motion and their strength. And the tricky part about radiation therapy is, even though the patient goes through a course of about six weeks daily radiation, the effect is cumulative. So they may start and feel no limitations, no problems with their mobility or their strength, but by the time they're finished, that cumulative dose can tighten the tissue and can have a significant impact on the mechanics and the way that they use their arm. So again, a slight deficit is an important thing because the therapist can recognize that and help to restore it. Sometimes what happens is if we miss those little issues in the beginning, if we miss treating the fatigue, if we miss treating the range of motion and mechanical deficits, They're not a problem in six months or in a year. They're a problem in four years or five years because the patient will develop progressively worsening motion in some cases, progressively worsening strength, and may in fact become more fatigued. Patients frequently report that they attenuate their activities after they complete their cancer treatment. They say, I just don't have the strength to do the things I used to do. I just don't have the endurance to do the things I used to do. And the physical therapist can play a role in getting the patient back to that point. It should be our goal for every patient that they get back to the level of physical activity they were at prior to their intervention for cancer treatment. You've mentioned range of motion, which obviously in breast cancer cases, I'm assuming is usually an upper body range of motion. You mentioned exercise. You mentioned endurance. So I want to go back to that exercise component When a physical therapist is designing an exercise program for someone who's having breast cancer treatment, is that exercise component specified to the upper body, the areas that they might lose range of motion, or is that really a more full-body plan because cardiovascular help helps with endurance, which helps with recovery? It should ideally be both. 
during the surgery time period postoperatively, during the radiation therapy, targeted exercises that help to restore mobility and strength in the upper extremities, in the way that the patient moves, the person moves their shoulder blades, their lifting technique, targeted exercises towards that region are helpful to restore their mobility and restore their strength. However, an overall conditioning exercise program is helpful to the patient regardless. So during the course of their treatment, giving a patient an exercise that focuses on physical conditioning, even if it's just a walking program. I think sometimes we say exercise and people say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not an exerciser. I don't really like to run or bike. And it really is not so much about aerobic conditioning and, and exercise training. It's really about helping the patient maintain their level of physical activity. So even something as simple as a daily walking program prescribed by the therapist for general conditioning, general healthy lifestyle behavior is helpful throughout the trajectory of care. You know, in the past, there has been a lot of myth propagated about exercise during cancer treatment, breast cancer specifically. I've had patients tell me they were told, don't ever lift more than five pounds for the rest of your life. Take that and throw it out the window, I tell my patients, and I tell my students that. We have learned through evidence-based research that exercise is not only good, but can actually be helpful in preventing some of the negative side effects associated with cancer treatment. In addition to that, it helps our patients possibly prevent another recurrence of their cancer or an episode of cancer down the line. So exercise is good across the board. It's about working with the therapist to create a structured, tailored exercise program that is safe, depending on where the patient is as far as their condition and their strength and their, their interest. So a safe exercise program that can be gradually increased over the course of time as the patient tolerates. So they're vitally important that we, A, give exercises targeted towards any impairments that we see, and B, give exercise prescription that enables the patient to engage in exercise and physical activity in a safe and smart way that hopefully becomes a healthy lifestyle behavior that carries on even beyond cancer treatment. Are there any unique parts about treating breast cancer or aiding the recovery of somebody who had breast cancer versus, say, another kind of cancer recovery when it comes to physical therapy? There are some specific nuances to breast cancer, and some of those are specific to the surgery, the type of surgery that patients will have if they take lymph nodes out from the armpit. There's a risk for mobility issues in the arm. The different types of chemotherapy that are used with breast cancer lend themselves to unique side effects that can impact the heart and the nerves, and those issues are specific to breast cancer. But we need to remember, again, any patient going through cancer treatment will experience surgeries in different areas of the body, chemotherapy, many, many agents exist. There are more than 100 chemotherapy agents that are used in combination to treat all different types of cancers. Each of those carry their own set of effects and side effects that we need to watch out for. Breast cancer is a bit different as well, I think, from a psychological perspective that we need to recognize with our patients. Survival rates for breast cancer are phenomenal. If we catch breast cancer in an early stage, we're looking at upwards of 90% of patients surviving the five-year survival point. But there's a psychosocial component to this. 
you're dealing with a woman's body habitus. You're dealing with issues of cosmetic when a breast is lost, when her hair is lost. You're also dealing with some of the emotional side effects that patients go through. So working with someone who has cancer is emotionally a bit of a challenge, I think, for therapists. But it's very, very rewarding, on the other hand. So there are some unique differences, I think, in treating patients with breast cancer to be able to not just identify the physical impairments, but also recognize the significance of the psychosocial burden that these patients are going through and to really approach your treatment plan with that holistic perspective in mind. Rewarding for the physical therapist, obviously, but I'm sure it must be rewarding for the patient as well. And I'm curious, have you seen cases where physical therapy and the the necessity that the patient be involved in their own recovery actually helps from that emotional perspective because it gives something that they can actually physically do rather than being a passive patient? Oh, of course. And that is the most rewarding part, to see my patients be empowered to get out and get in a kayak and go kayaking for an afternoon or to go rock climbing because we've worked their strength and their activity status to get them back to that level. Many patients will say, the doctors may have saved my life, but you gave me my life back. There have been instances where physicians have looked at the patient and not known what was going on with why they couldn't move their arm but I've been able to identify some of the issues that can help to remediate the pain that they're having or the neuropathy that they're having or the limitations in motion. You know, in the past, we used to say to patients, well, you survived cancer, you should be satisfied to be alive, and if you have some swelling in your arm or some pain in your arm, you should be happy to be alive and you should live with that. And it's, quite frankly, just not good enough for us to say that anymore when we know that we can intervene and we can help to not only reverse but prevent some of those problems from happening. Let's talk about that swelling. Where does lymphedema fit in in the breast cancer recovery process? Lymphedema is an interesting condition. It's a swelling that occurs in the soft tissue spaces of the extremity, and it's unique to the area where lymph nodes were taken. So if you have lymph nodes taken out from under your armpit, The risk of swelling is in that arm and in that chest wall and if there's breast tissue residual. So lymphedema can occur at any point along the continuum of treatment. As soon as lymph nodes are removed, we change the structure of the lymphatic system. And unfortunately, our lymphatic system cannot spontaneously regrow lymph nodes. So once they're gone, they're gone. And we know some things about lymphedema. We know that there's a greater risk for patients developing lymphedema if they have a larger number of lymph nodes taken. I think of the lymphatic system sort of as the plumbing system of your body. And if you take out some of your plumbing and you dump fluid into your sink, there's a risk that you're going to get a backup. And that's akin to what happens in the extremities. So we need to be very vigilant in watching for the onset of that swelling to occur because lymphedema is unique. Once that swelling, that fluid, starts to embed itself into the soft tissue, the condition becomes progressive. So it spontaneously continues to progress in the absence of treatment. So that's why I say there's no such thing as just a little bit of swelling. Any fluid overload in the extremity is important for the patient to recognize and to act upon. And folks need to recognize this can happen at any point. It can happen during chemotherapy. 
It can happen during radiation therapy. It can happen six months after you've finished treatment. It can happen 15 years after you have finished treatment. Now, the risk gradually reduces over time after you finish treatment, but there is still, quite frankly, a lifetime risk for patients who've had lymph nodes removed. There's a lifetime risk of them developing lymphedema, so it is important for the patient to be educated about what lymphedema is, how it presents, and how they should act if they identify swelling. Physical therapy is probably the best provider, the best person on the healthcare team to help with early identification of swelling and, of course, for treatment of lymphedema. Let's talk about that early identification. Swelling, is that usually the way it's detected, just a visual, or is it pain because something is now tighter or feels throbbing? What are usually those early indicators? So visible swelling is an obvious indicator. If you look at your arm or if you look at your chest wall or breast and see that it's larger than the other, that is an indication that there's fluid retention. It may be lymphedema and it needs to be checked on. Interestingly, there's a body of research that has shown us there are symptoms that occur before you have the visible onset of swelling, which makes sense. Your body is starting to change, and there are sensory symptoms that patients will report they experience prior to the onset of lymphedema. Symptoms such as heaviness in their limb, diffuse aching or sort of tingly feeling. Sometimes it exacerbates when they do activities like lifting or carrying groceries or doing laundry or exercising. And then it goes away. And that shouldn't fool the patient. If you have symptoms and they go away or you see a little bit of swelling and it goes away, it needs to be looked at because that swelling can embed into the tissue. Even in the absence of visible swelling, there can be fluid congestion. So the symptoms are your body telling you a story. Hey, there's fluid congestion going on. I can feel it. It's heavy. It's a little achy. It's a little tingly. It just feels funny. It feels different than the other arm does. That needs to be addressed. That's the very earliest onset of the signs and symptoms of lymphedema. The other thing that we do is to measure, literally measure, the circumference around the limb at different intervals to determine if there's any swelling that's occurring. Now, your therapist should measure both of your arms and consider the other arm to sort of be a normal, but that can fool us as well because even between people who have uninterrupted lymphatic system, we tend to have a difference between our arms, right? We have a dominant arm and a non-dominant arm, and sometimes one arm is larger than the other at baseline. So, again, that reinforces why that preoperative visit is so important. We can do the measurements on the arm, determine what the limb volume is that's normal before the patient has lymph nodes taken or any kind of treatment rendered. And then we can progressively monitor them over time to determine if there is any meaningful change that occurs. So from the perspective of lymphedema, you know, I say it's never too early to identify changes in the limb. Early lymphedema that is identified can be treated with very, very conservative interventions and sometimes can be reduced. Can you walk me through what a typical physical therapy treatment for lymphedema might entail? So for later stage lymphedema, for example, when there is a swollen limb, when you have visible swelling, or you have pitting when you push down into the swelling and it creates a divot, 
and there's a significant discernible change between the limbs. So later, mid to late stage lymphedema. That requires intensive decongestive therapy. The gold standard of care worldwide is complete decongestive therapy. And that requires the patient having treatment three to four times a week and involves manual lymphatic drainage, which is a manual therapy technique that stimulates the lymphatic system to take up that excess fluid. It also involves compression bandaging using short-stretch multilayer wrapping. It involves exercise and it involves skin care and self-care for the patient. During that time, what we see is over the course of about four to six weeks, the limb volume will decrease. It will decongest. And at that point, the patient is then moved from the intensive therapy three to four times a week to a self-care phase of treatment. And that involves them using compression garments during the day, compression sleeves, gloves, those kinds of things and wearing some form of compression, usually to sleep in at night, to help to maintain their limb. So that's the normal trajectory of care for someone who has lymphedema, who has that discernible larger limb pitting edema or even uh, just a thick fibrotic limb. Conversely, if we catch lymphedema early, as we were discussing, when there are just those subjective sensory symptoms, the achiness, the heaviness, And perhaps there's a slight discernible visual swelling. If we can catch it at an early stage like that, the patient can be put into a light-grade compression sleeve for daily wear for a short period of time, daily wear for about a month. And then we take the patient out of that. And what we typically see is that if we catch it early and we put them into the sleeve, over the course of that first month of wear, we'll see that limb volume revert almost to being normal. Now, at that point, some patients can discontinue wearing the sleeve at all. Some will continue to wear it when they exercise, when they do activities, when they're lifting, carrying things, because they will experience those subjective symptoms, again, that heaviness or aching. So we teach the patient that those symptoms, again, your body's telling you the story, put the compression sleeve on, and use it to help to mitigate any increase in swelling. A lot of times the question is asked, can we prevent lymphedema? Are we preventing lymphedema? And I think that's very difficult to do. I stand on the platform of we can detect lymphedema early if we use a standard methodology by seeing the patient before surgery and then following them on an interval basis. We can detect it early by listening to our patients because they'll tell us everything we need to know about that achy limb, the heaviness in the limb, the funny tingling, the swelling that they saw yesterday but isn't there today. All of those pieces fit together with an early stage lymphedema that should be treated. Spirit of the early detection conversation, I want to bring us back to where we started. If someone has breast cancer or someone in their family has breast cancer and that treatment has started, you mentioned right now it isn't automatic for someone to get a physical therapist involved initially. What should they tell their physician? What should they be asking for so they can get involved with physical therapy earlier than they might otherwise? Patients need to make the ask. They need to become aware and educated that Exercise is good for them, and they need someone to help guide them in safe exercise during and after their treatment. They need to have a greater understanding that 
the physical therapist should be an integral part of the multidisciplinary team from the beginning of their treatment. At the point of diagnosis, there's a lot of information that the patient's receiving. They have to make a lot of decisions and a lot of choices about treatment. The therapist should be involved at that point. And if the patient gets through their surgery and they've not been told about physical therapy, they need to ask for it. They need to be proactive in their care and they need to be their own advocate and say, look, the research and the evidence supports that I will do better during my treatment if the physical therapist is involved. I will have less functional limitations over the course of my treatment if the therapist and an exercise program is involved. So part of it is an awareness by the patients in recognizing that something's missing from their plan of care. The other part of that is provider awareness. I tell all of my patients, if you have a great experience with a physical therapist, go back and tell your physician about it because they need to recognize the importance of physical therapy and getting the therapist involved with the patient's plan of care from the beginning. It cannot be an afterthought. So I want to basically ask you to play fortune teller a little bit. How far away do you think we are until physical therapy is more immediately integrated into that plan of care? Well, I am very excited to tell you it's happening. We are seeing a number of initiatives around the country based on the body of literature and research that's been done in the last 10 years. We've seen an explosion of research in exercise as it relates to breast cancer treatment in physical therapy and targeted physical therapy exercises as they relate to breast cancer treatment. And models of care that have been developed that show us with absolute certainty that it is a good thing to have the therapist involved in your plan of care from diagnosis and on. So the evidence has taken off. We've also started to see advocacy societies around the country, like the Avon Foundation, the Komen Foundation, and the American Cancer Society, just to name a few, who have latched on to this idea that exercise, rehabilitation should be a part of the patient's plan of care from the beginning. So as this heightened awareness of exercise and the role of physical therapy has been elevated, we're starting to see more and more medical centers around the country. And I'm not just talking about big academic medical centers. You know, we're seeing these things happen at places like Emory and Penn. But we're also seeing these things happen at the smaller community hospitals, I've been working with a number of smaller Midwestern community hospitals who are implementing this program. There are outpatient private practice physical therapy clinics who are implementing this program. So the fire has started. The train has left the station, if you will. It is happening. We're seeing these things happen around the country right now. So I feel as though the wave is cresting and we're at a point where as it begins to break and the dissemination of this concept and this model gets out there, it will become a standard of care. I've been referring to it as an emerging standard for the last five years. The other thing I'll say is there are about six countries around the world that have adopted the prospective surveillance model that we talked about here as the standard of care. The UK has adopted it and has guidelines that support that evidence-based model. Sweden has adopted the model of care among a number of other countries. So we're getting there and I don't have to play fortune teller to tell you, I believe that this will become the standard of care probably within the next five years. 
And I'd like us to think not just for breast cancer, but beyond, and how any patient with cancer can benefit from that prospective surveillance model, preoperative and, and ongoing interval surveillance during their treatment. Well, it's always wonderful to end on a note of hope and end on a note of progress and end on a note of looking not just at the immediate problem, but as long-term care and quality of life over the lifespan. Thank you very much, Nicole Stout. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.